0: I want to thank you for the privilege of uh, you guys sent us to the Lifting Leaders uh, Conference in in uh, Ishpeming at Randy Reed's Church. There um, had a couple speakers. One one fella has actually spoken here before. Uh, he's from the when Andrew Pastor Andrew was here. He's from the Christian Biblical Counseling Center. There we go, Biblical Counseling Center out of Chicago, and and uh, he spoke for three of our sessions. Um, just talking about the importance of, of counseling and guidance um, in, in how so much, we, we know that we're the sum of our parts, but so much uh, affects our lives, e- events, and if we, even if they were many, many years ago, if we don't deal with and process that, that they can sit there and fester and cause problems. Now that have absolutely nothing to do with what the original problem was then. I think we can all understand and relate that with that. Then the other the other speaker was a uh, missionary and his wife, Steve and Sharon Sanford, um, used to be with New Tribes Mission and we know New Tribes is now called Ethnos 360, and um, they they changed the name because of of uh, getting into countries where they weren't necessary. It's A lot of people groups around the world don't want to be called a tribe now. And and new tribes missions, a lot of governments have problems with missionaries coming into their country. So they've they've changed the name to Ethnos 360. Um, But Stephen and Sharon had been in Venezuela for about 12 years uh, with the Hoti tribe during the time where they were uh, translating the gospel and, and, and they just shared their testimony of that time with them. How they they started in Genesis and, and went through the Gospels, and how that they're even even though they're what do we say in in our eyes and uneducated people because they're they're people from the the, the jungle basically, uh, no formal education or that. But they were very intelligent people, and and they were very logical people, and they understood that that because of Adam's sin, we needed a savior. And, and, um, it was just good to, to listen to their testimony and, uh, to hear the work that they had done there until the government kicked them out back in, I think it was 2006 or something like that. Um, but they've been able to, to, uh, hear word, you know, in and out from since then of, uh, the work that's continued to go. And that's, that's, the, that's the important thing of any missionary work is that if you take the missionaries away, that the work continues. And, and that way you know that they've planted something well and, and God is, has just blessed the work there uh, in Venezuela in that tribe that they had worked with. But it was just good to, a good time of refreshing and um, opportunity to, to reconnect with some friends and other pastors from across the UP. So thank you for that. Um, open God's words, if you would, to the book of Acts. And a few weeks ago I told you that I was hoping to make it through chapter 15. Before we left, not going to happen. <laughs> when, when you see why, it makes, it'll make logical sense why, why we're not going to. But last week we looked in chapter 15. Um, we looked in verses 6 to 18. We, we talked about the four meetings that were had there. If you look in chapter 15, verse 4, uh, Paul and, and Barnabas and a group came down from Antioch to Jerusalem uh, to address an issue that needed to be addressed because somebody had come into the church up in Antioch telling them that the, the Gentile believers had to become Jews before they could become Christians, that they had to be circumcised, and they had to follow the law and the sacrifices and things like that. And so Paul and Barnabas knew better, and they said, we gotta, we got to nip this one in the bud. So in verse 4 of chapter 15, uh, they have a meet and greet, and, and they welcome them, and they, and they share the, the missionary report. Remember Paul and Barnabas' first missionary trip, Acts 13 and 14, give you all the details on that. Then what you don't see is between verses 4 and 5, Uh, Paul had a meeting with the the church leaders there in Jerusalem a private meeting to to make sure that they were all on the same page because he didn't want to be stepping on their turf but he also wanted them to know where he was coming from and so they had a and we we talked about that in Galatians 2 uh, Galatians 2 chapter 2 and chapter 3 talk quite a bit about uh, about the Jerusalem council and that's what we're in the middle of here in, in Acts chapter 15. Then we pick back up in verse 5. Uh, the, the next meeting, the, the third meeting, is, is where one of the Pharisees stood up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. And, and it's, uh, even though it's not truth, I guess it's good for them to stand up in the group and say it because then everybody knew where they were coming from. And, and the, the, the root problem could be properly addressed. And, and that they, they could be set straight doctrinally according to the word of God. So then we get to, we started um, the, the fourth meeting um, is Peter's rebuttal, verse 6 and 7. Peter gets up and, and starts sharing. And, and the cool part is, is we we see God, God Peter, Peter basically telling them what God has been doing, what God is doing, God's uh, uh, activeness in their life. And we know that God wants to be active in our lives. He can only be as active as we allow him to, though. So, he's talking in verse 8 there, Peter, no, sorry, verse 7, Peter says, God made the choice, and he sent me to share the, to share the word with the Gentiles. Um, verse 8, God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles in the same way he gave the Holy Spirit to the Jews. Uh, verse 9, he, he erased any God, God's activity again, God erased any distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles as far as the way that they would come to salvation, the way that they would come to Christ. They, they, they were going to come the same way. There, there wasn't the law that had to be obeyed by the Gentiles. And it, well, the law didn't have to be obeyed any longer by the Jews to be saved. They needed to come to faith in Jesus Christ and what he had done for them. In verse 10 and 11, God had removed the yoke of the law and said this, this, this isn't what's important anymore. In, in part of, well, I'll get there in just a minute. Um, so Peter had his say. Verse 12, Paul and Barnabas reiterated to the whole group uh, their missions trip. Again, verse uh, chapter 13 and 14, Luke didn't rewrite it all because it was just written there. Um, but he shared their missions trip. And then we have James, who is the brother of Jesus, but he was also the one of the main leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And in verse 13, he gets up. and began speaking, he says, brothers, listen to me. He said that God, God took from the Gentiles the people for his name. And, and of course, that upset some of the Jews. But he said, because as a nation, the Jews have continued to ignore God and disobey God. He's setting them aside. He's not wiping them out. He's, he's not forgetting them forever. He's setting them aside and making the church out of Jews and Gentiles who will believe on Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation again as our our verse says Acts 4.12 neither is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved it is in the name of Jesus that Jew and Gentile receive their salvation it's only through Jesus and so this this is what James is proclaiming here <clears throat> we kind of we kind of cut him off last week, but before we do that, one of the quotes that I shared last week was from John Stott. He said, the inclusion of the Gentiles was not a divine afterthought, oh, we forgot the Gentiles, we've got to figure a way to get them in here, was not a divine afterthought, but foretold by the prophets. And that's what, what James talked about in verses 16 to 18, he was quoting from the book of Amos, chapter 9. The... Um, Scripture itself confirmed the fact of the missionary's experience. There was agreement between what God had done through his apostles and what he had said through his prophets. Then we kind of cut James off at verse 18. We'll pick him up in verse 19. Acts chapter 15, verse 19. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. He says, James says, Don't trouble the Gentiles, don't put this burden on them, is, is something that was under the Mosaic law. But if you look at verse 28 quickly, and then we'll come back to it. Verse 28, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. Okay? Um, there, there, there wasn't a vote. Okay? There, this, this wasn't a democratic situation where uh, you say, Okay, who believes this way and who believes this way? The Holy Spirit led James as the leader of the church stood up, spoke up, and said, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it is, because this is what God has taught. Sweeting, in his book, says a danger on Acts, says that a danger exists in assuming that the majority is right. The majority, when against the word of God, results in tragedy. Think back to the Old Testament. There's a couple of fellows by the name of Joshua and Caleb. There's this little place called Kadesh Barnea. I know we spent some time there in Joshua, and I know that we were in Joshua three and a half years ago, but you remember, right? Right? Okay. Twelve spies were sent in to spy out the land. Ten came back and said, Oh, there's giants in the land. We can't do it. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, yeah, there's giants in the land, but with God we can do it. So the majority isn't always right. James didn't leave this up to the majority. He said, the Holy Spirit did this, and I'm going to preach it. And this is the way it is. We can't burden people with things like the law and circumcision because that's not how you come to faith in Jesus Christ. So, continues on there. Verse 22, It seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren, and they sent this letter by them. So they were going to send a couple fellows up there, to, to clarify if there was any questions on what the teaching was and what this letter said, and they were sending a letter so that they would have it in written form as well. I know some of us learn better by sight, some by hearing. Me, I, it's repetition. It, you, know, you just got to pound it in there about 600 times, and then I'll learn it. Okay, But, but they want to they do it in written word so that anybody up in Antioch can read it, But also to send men to to support it, to back it up, and answer any questions because they were there at the council. They heard James preaching on this, just to to clarify it, make sure that they got it right. Because this is a this is a big issue. A lot of people today think that they can come to that they're guaranteed heaven because they teach Sunday school or because they go to church every week. I never miss. Of course, I'm going to heaven. Wrong answer. It's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way of salvation. So verse 23, the the, the letter that they, they wrote, the apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number, to whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words. Unsettling your soul. Well, it wasn't at the disciples' or the apostles' instructions. It was at Satan's. Satan was instructing them. Because Satan will use every opportunity he has to hinder the work of God. Every chance he's got, he'll tear us down. He'll beat us up. He'll, he'll try to accuse us and say, you, you know, you should be guilt-ridden over this or that, Whatever. In in Jesus, we have victory. We don't have to live under that guilt. We need to keep focused and focus on Jesus. The letter that they're writing says, Some have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. Well, yeah, because you're messing with their doctrine. It should be unsettling. It seemed good to us, having become of one mind. Huh, where have we heard that before? Philippians 2 maybe? Only mentioned that a few hundred times in the couple years I've been here. We need to have the mind of Christ, not your mind. You know, we we need to be of one mind. But you don't need to be of my mind or your mind. Or I'm not going to be of your mind or we're not going to be of your mind. But if we all focus on Jesus Christ and we we have the same mind and it's his mind, we're on the right path. There needs to be unity, but it needs to be unity over the right focus on the right thing, and that's the mind of Christ. It seemed good to us, verse 25, having become of one mind to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by the word of mouth. Just, Just like... When, when James was talking, he said, What Jesus said by the prophets, or what, what God sent by the prophets, is what is actually happening. The, the prophets support, there's an agreement between what, what, well, let me say it right here. Being, let's see. Okay, there was an agreement. There was an agreement between what God had done through his apostles and what he had said through his prophets. And here we got the same thing. We've got agreement in what Judas and Silas are going to say and what we write to you. There's going to be agreement here because it is because of the Holy Spirit that, that, that we're resolving this issue. And it's the Holy seem good to the Holy Spirit to, to us and to us to lay upon you no greater burden ...than these essentials. Now a couple, a couple of these essentials... ...seem, seem kind of like... ...really, you, you had to say that? Why, why did you even have to say it? It's so obvious. Verse 29. These essentials... ...that, that they are going to hold them to... Or, ...or not. We'll see. That you abstain from things sacrificed to idols... ...and from blood... ...and from things strangled... ...and from fornication... If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. And, that, and that's the letter. Okay? So the letter is asking for obedience to two commands. One, that they wouldn't serve idols. And two, that they wouldn't commit fornication. Well, these, if, as, as we get some years down the road when we get into our study in Corinthians... We're going to see that the Gentile church had an issue, had a problem with those two sins. They were very prevalent. And it's interesting, the, the, the fornication that they're talking about and referring back to, go to Leviticus 18, write it down, don't take the time to do it now. But there's a whole list of, of relationships that that they're instructed not to uh, be intimate with, uh, in, in the list, talking about fathers, or, or sons with their father's wives or their, their father's brother's wife or their father's brother's daughter. And, and just, I mean, it just goes into a whole whole list that says these kind of relationships are not right. But these kind of relationships were happening in the Gentile church in, in Corinth. And so Paul in his letter to the Corinthians is, is making note that, that it's prevalent there. So it's a good thing that the church says this, we're reminding you that this should not be named among you. You need to stay away from this. And obviously, idolatry. That's that's a no-brainer. So these are two commands. And then there are two uh, concessions, shall we say, Two, two types of personal concessions. Avoid eating blood. And avoid meat from strangled, uh, from strangled animals, because when they strangle the animal, all the blood isn't necessarily uh, drained, or not drained well. Well, why, why would this be an issue? Well, we're going to, in a few minutes here, partake of communion together. In the early church, the church met frequently for meals together. And, and it was frequently seen in, in the Jewish tradition is that it was an opportunity for the rich to provide a meal to the poor. And we'll look at 1 first, uh, first Corinthians 11 and see how that was abused and misused. See, so you, you can get, you can make things good, and you can take good things and use them for bad, for wrong. But it's, they, they're talking here: don't don't eat these don't eat these animals, and don't eat the blood. Well, this is one of the settings as to what this applies to and what it's it's talking about. When they would come to the, they they called them love feasts. It was that they would show one another love by providing food for the poorer people in the church. And they, they would come for this meal. But what would it look like if the Gentiles were bringing food that still had blood on it or was from a strangled animal where the blood wasn't completely drained? Well, you know, you know how people talk at potlucks about who made what, and they want this recipe and that. Well, this was, if, they, if you came into the setting, you could see that it could cause dissension and division. That the Jews, who are used to the Mosaic Law, that they're used to not eating the blood of the animals, or not used to eating the animals that the blood isn't drained completely from, you could see where it could cause some some strife there, some angst, because these Jews were not used to eating this. So brothers, in in Romans I believe thirteen, uh, were, we're we're encouraged not to be a stumbling block to one another. Hey Gentile brothers, please don't bring that to this meal. Please don't bring that blood and the 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 meat. That, that might still be bloody or the, the meats of strangled animals, please don't bring those to this type of meal, to, to this fellowship, just for the sake of preserving unity and, and out of consideration. Uh, it wasn't a command, don't do it or else. They were just encouraged not to, out of deference to their brothers that, were, that were, had Jewish backgrounds. Put that aside for this meal. Put that aside and, and don't... Don't do it. please. Again, it was a it, the, the first two were commands. No, no brainers. Don't be involved in idolatry and don't be involved in fornication. No brainers. Uh, that's easy. And again, why, why did they even have to mention it?s so obvious? Well, just because it was prevalent in the Corinth, the Gentile church in Corinth. But when you come to the meals, because you're going to come to meals together in the body as, as Jews and Gentiles together, and, and this is really a no-no to the Jews, so let's, let's be considerate. Let's love one another and love each other enough to be considerate in this matter. The, the compromise here results in the, the strengthened church, they had a united witness to lost Jews. They weren't going to be a stumbling block. And they brought blessing to the Gentile churches. Listen as we read on. He concludes the letter in 29 there. And now the fellows that were picked, Judas and Silas, are going to go up to Antioch. They were sent away, verse 30. They went down to Antioch. They've gathered the congregation together. They delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because it was of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also believe, uh, being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. I love that. I love that detail that's in there. It's kind of like when we were talking about the... the uh, all the active verbs of God in chapter 13 and verse 18. It says, and he put up with the Jews in the wilderness. I just love that little detail there. But this little one here says, they preached a lengthy message. I guess that's a license. I can do that whenever I want. (laughs) After they had spent time there, they sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. Not the word from the Pharisees that wanted to bring, throw the requirement of circumcision on the Gentiles as a, you know, you got to do that before you can be saved. They didn't do that, but they stuck to the word of the Lord. How many... And, and, and folks, th- this was never more evident during COVID. Uh, I always refer to the pastor's wife's Facebook page that, that Beth is a part of the group. I, th- I think there's like two or 3,000 pastor's wives from around the United States on that. They were talking about all the silliness during COVID and how it split churches. It shut churches down. And we know that from years past, even before COVID ever was a thought, of how many churches have split because of the color of the curtains or the color of the chairs or the carpet. Again, Satan will use anything and everything that he can to tear down the unity of of God's church. How many hurtful fights and splits could be avoided if God's people would give the Holy Spirit time to work and time to speak to us? There's a time to compromise and a time to not compromise. And the time to not compromise is when it comes to doctrine. If you want to dig deeper, look in Jude. Verse 3. We, we will not compromise on God's word, on the doctrines. But this is one place that, that the Gentile believers could show their love for the Jewish brothers. Is, is to, is to, is to, to go in, in deference to them and not do these things that would bother them and cause a split. Because to them it wasn't that big of a deal. They had options. We need to be careful in our lives that we don't let Satan use us in discouraging other believers and tearing believers down because we got to have it our way again on doctrine we won't compromise I don't care what color the carpet is or the curtains or the chairs but we got to stand firm on the Word of God we have to stand firm on the truth the Word of God and not waver from that. Um, one of one of the things that um, Ed Ed McBroom was was at the conference Friday morning. He was probably there for half hour, forty five minutes. I think he was there longer than his handlers wanted him to be there. They were trying to get him out the door. But we we need to we need to pray for all of our government officials. But we especially need to pray for those that are believers in Jesus Christ. And I have never heard a politician give such a strong testimony of his faith in Christ. And, and it wasn't, he, he wasn't saying it for the masses and he wasn't saying it for, he, he knows the word of God, people. He, he was quoting and jumping around to, to different passages off the top of his head. And, and it, you, you know it's from his heart that we need to be praying for them in, in the work that they do and we know that if you, if you know Ed McBroom he has 13 children and he's a dairy farmer from Norway, Michigan and, and when he was up there and one of the, one of the questions in the Q&A time was how, how, how can we best pray for you and the first thing my wife said to him was we need to be praying for his wife <laughs> I mean, we need to be praying for him too obviously but we need to be praying for his wife, uh, 13 kids, and, and he's downstate quite a bit in Lansing. Um, but but he he loves the Lord and he was there and, and he was saying, folks, knowing uh, that, that the bill four that we were talking about, uh, that we passed through the prayer chain earlier this week didn't get voted on this week, it's gonna be voted next week. Um, it's the civil rights bill uh, so that you can't discriminate against anybody that wants their, their, their gender identity and gender this and, and sexual orientation and all of that, they're adding it to the Michigan Civil Rights Bill. And, and he, he cautioned, he warned, he says folks, he said it's not that far down the road where you're not gonna be allowed to express your faith. Because of all the ramifications of it, because they're saying it's hate speech, and, and you can't stand up for this and that. And he says so. He said, and you know, it was a group of pastors and their wives that he was talking to. He said, so you guys got to prepare your congregations. It's it's not far off. It's not that far down the road. That it's going to be very difficult to stand in the pulpit and preach what, just what I preached. To preach the word of God. To preach truth. So folks, are you standing firm? Are you you ready? Are you ready to be steadfast in the word? And and as they finish it, in verse 35 there Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch teaching and preaching and many others also the word of the Lord and we're almost to chapter 17 verse 2 and it says according to Paul's custom he went down from there um, to them and for three sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. He, He didn't relate to them from the current Christian magazine or whatever's popular. He he didn't pull this or that from somebody's books. He reasoned with them from the scriptures. And the scriptures are what we need to be well versed in. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And are you ready to stand? I know that I try to keep this vague, <laughs> purposely. We know that there are churches about, that they want to stratify, stratify the, the gospel, is, is this part of the word of God is willing to die for? And this we, we, we would argue about, and, and this, well, you can go either way, it doesn't really matter. Had someone asked me, well, what about this? I'll say it was my son. He said, what about this, Dad? He said, we put this in the middle category. And I said, I'd die for that truth. Put that back over here. Because it's in the word of God. It's straight up. You can't compromise. What do you mean you wouldn't die for the truth? Now, for the the blood and the meat and that? No, probably not. Because it wasn't a command. I wouldn't die for that. But the truths of the word of God, that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, i die for that. It's coming, folks. It's coming. It won't be long. We need to be prepared. We need to be steadfast. It's been a while since I've used this illustration, but if ten guys walked in here with machine guns and said, if you're not a Christian, get up and leave because we're going to kill all the Christians that stay. What are you going to do? Statistics are going to tell us a bunch of you are going to get up and run out that door. How, how steadfast, how firm will you be when it comes? Jesus Christ died for your sins. Are you willing to die for him? If we don't confess hidden his before man he won't confess us before the father father thank you for your word give us backbones lord give us faith to stand firm to be steadfast to be right in season and out of season when it's popular and when it's not that we will be true to the word of god that we'll live by it that we'll we'll let it saturate our lives Thank you for your word, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me and sing.